0: welcome to chats the television podcast season 15 chats eight each week we watch and discuss two episodes of the netflix original series sense eight my name is alan and i'm joined by yet another important member of the sense eight production crew uh ladies and gentlemen please give your hands to the guy who adjusted everyone's socks and underwear in between takes of the orgy scene it's magellan (laughs)
1: uh uh, okay no sorry just Stay there for one second. The right side of the boxers were... Loop. Yeah, right, because he put his teeth on him, pulled him down a little bit. Let me just... Yep. Okay. That's, yeah, oh, sorry. let me. I just got to look at the dailies real quick. Okay, yeah. Actually, your dick was leaning slightly this way. Uh, perfect. Perfect. Looks good.
0: Wolfgang, we need you back in half-chub immediately, please. Hurry the fuck up. <laughs> get back down there. Get down. Okay, uh, so you're still
1: nude. Good. Great good, good. still
0: nude just stay nude how many days on set how many hours on set does the actor who <laughs> wolfgang have to be fully nude? nude
1: oh my god he, he's like out of the number of minutes he's in both of these episodes probably 60% nude right yes 80% this percent nude
0: this is like the section of sensate that i remember the most is just like nude wolfgang hanging out in india and in germany and in various hot tubs and weddings and you know that actor yeah. is, is comfortable with himself, and he should be. And I'm ha- I'm just happy for him. That's all. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Max Remelt. Remelt, I think, is the actor's name. Um, Doing great things. I don't know what like any of the Sensei people are doing besides being in uh, the Matrix Resurrections at this point.
1: Remelt is what I do it. to my grilled cheese when I want to eat the leftovers the next day.
0: We watched the leftovers last season, but John, come on now. Oh, that's funny. That was cool. Oh, oh. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of opened. Oh, it opened itself up to me quickly. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm feeling fine. This show's great. It feels good to watch it and talk about it.
0: I love shorts. They're easy and comfy to wear. Comfy and easy to wear. Wait. Comfy. Yeah, they're comfy and easy to wear. I love Sense8. It's easy and comfy to discuss. Yeah. Comfy fuck (laughs) anyways yes i agree it's like a nice show like i was thinking you know we've been talking magellan and i have magellan and i have been off mic for the past like 45 minutes just shooting the shit as we do me and the gorals and uh now i'm just like i'm still in that mode so i have to get back into professional podcaster mode and actually talk about a television show one of the silliest most interesting weird fun television shows i've seen in a while it's Sense eight y'all um for what it's worth i'm doing just fine that's all no complaints i have complaints but i'm not going to complain i have there that's what therapy is for i have therapy on saturday i'll complain then how about that is that satisfactory for you magellan yeah
1: i'll complain on saturday well i have therapy on sunday this week so
0: oh why do we how do our weeks always sync up that's so funny We both don't you
1: you usually have it on Saturday?
0: Well, I do. Yes, I do have it on Saturday, but we have we always have it on the same weekend.
1: I have it every weekend.
0: (laughs) Oh, that'll do it. You know (laughs) what? That'll definitely do it. It's ripped. (laughs) Anyways, let's talk about Sense Eight, the best TV show since Seven. Yeah, let's do it.
1: Well, that's funny. Hold on, that's funny.
0: (laughs) Hold on, stop the podcast. Do we have to laugh at our own bad jokes? That was funny. Yeah. That was funny. This week on Chantzay, we watched Sense8 Season 1, Episode 5, Art is Like Religion, and Episode 6 of Season 1, Demons! I was trying to do the um, Imagine demons. Dragons. I don't know how the Imagine oh. Dragons song goes.
1: God, how does I'm so glad I've forgotten a lot about Imagine Dragons.
0: You, It's, it's almost as if you imagined dragons.
1: Wow, you're good tonight.
0: No, I'm not. Stop coming. <laughs>
1: God, it's like the first time we podcast.
0: And my demon a... son is uh, my yeah. demons... I got. I had to listen to five you seconds. I just played
1: of it. it out loud.
0: Oh, whoops! That was not in my head. Okay, good. Uh, that's like Did when imagine... the characters Sense see each other. What? Good.
1: Did I mention dragons like create that 2010 sound that I hated so much, or were they just the pinnacle of an existing sound?
0: I think that. Everybody is the sum of things that came before them, and uh, so they came at a point when 2010 sound was at its zenith, and they, they left a mark. They just captured it that. the best. I'm tweeting this right now. Please, everybody who follows me on Twitter, uh, favorite. Did we all just collectively imagine dragons? Uh, <laughs> Art is like religion. <laughs> was written by Lily Lana Okowski as well as <laughs> Jay Michael Straczynski. It It's directed by James McTeague. Uh, who also directed V for Vendetta, fun fact, and it aired as did every episode of sense Season 1 on June 5th, 2015 on Netflix. But John, what happened in art is like religion.
1: I just want to say, first of all, I had this thought at the end of the second episode that sense is a show that like only could have existed in 2015 when it's like, oh, yeah. oh streaming is like the next movie's We're going to pay a bajillion dollars to movie people to make them like a big movie. Yeah, go to eight different countries. Wow. Like, that's the only year that could produce this show. Mm -hmm. But my God, if this show was coming out week to week on a streaming platform in 2022, it would be the talk of the freaking town.
0: It It absolutely would. I think that people weren't necessarily ready for certain aspects of it now because like there are shows yeah. that come out every once in a while nowadays that young people will be like, okay, it's got gay people in it. Good, I'm done. I'll watch a million episodes and develop right. a deep, obsessive fandom. And this is right. better than that. And so yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. you guys, you guys, we had, it. we had it. And like, you know, folks at home, I've watched the rest of season one. I know that the quality doesn't exactly stay at 11 forever, but it's still, even at its most mediocre, since it is more interesting and creative and weird and silly than like so many shows coming out today and yeah. could not be made today with, with this budget and this level of scale. Right. Um, Cause just
1: even having just watched house of the dragon. Yeah. You know, like that show is so sexually explicit and upsetting. And everybody's talking about it around the water cooler. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. not a deterrent to it being the biggest thing. And a sensei wouldn't have that like game of Thrones gas to it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but You know, I just think like it's sexy. It's it
0: it's inclusive. It's like
1: sci-fi. It's got all this stuff going for it that if it's emotional, it's thoughtful.
0: The acting is good. Like it's just hitting the beats, and I hope it continues to hit the beats. Asterisk. Uh, (laughs) uh,
1: Anyway, you asked me what happened in this episode. I'm I'm sorry for that tangent.
0: No, I want you to tell you do tangents. Go ahead.
1: In this episode, the Sensates struggle with intensifying connections, which results in some interesting days on set for Lido and a wedding day surprise for Kala. Mm. Alan, what'd you think of art as like religion?
0: Oh, I adored this episode. I was cheering. I was hooting and hollering. Uh, This episode really leans into my favorite dramatic technique of Sensate, which is the Sensates meeting each other and actually talking to each other instead of being like whoa a white man that's crazy it's like hey who are you why do you why are you the way you are and and why are you in my head i don't actually like we're, we're we've we've pressed it over oh no am i am i hallucinating and now we're into like what can we do with this and uh it feels like a really good progression of like the storylines that we've um, been following for this, the past couple episodes i really liked artists like religion and it's got some some fun action and uh just some like funny moments so i had a great time How about you
1: yeah i felt similarly i think i really liked both of these episodes because both of them had more
0: leto yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: yes uh but also both of them had more of the sensates like taking a more active role in visiting each other and hoping to visit each other and making sense of visiting each other and uh, like you're saying that's you can only get so much juice out of the mystery and the characters wondering about what's happening before it's like, okay, but it's episode five. Like, can we talk? can we can we do something here? Yeah, exactly. uh, so we're we're kind of cruising into the second act of the story. It feels like we did all our Act one stuff, and now balls are rolling, tension is building. Uh, People are crossing over each other. Uh, And even in the midst of that, you know, I think it's cool to see the sensates develop different interpretations of what's happening to them or, like, care to different extents or worry to different extents about what's happening to them because you have some characters like uh, Sun, for example, who's like, who the fuck are you? Like, what is this?
0: Yeah, Uh, why is this happening?
1: You have Will who's like, well, I got the lore dump, so I know what's going on here. You have characters like Riley who are like, hey, what's up? Welcome what's to my on? brain. That's cool. Uh, you have Caffius trying to like summon the Van Dam spirit of the Korean woman and like seeing her <laughs> as, a, as a benevolent, uh, some kind of entity or something. And then, you know, I think it, matters that it maintains at least for now for Nomi this question of like is this a neurological thing um because that felt to me purposeful as like part of the the trans experience for Nomi's character to then also see that in the second episode uh to see new thinking emerge to kind of shift our understanding of that And, like, that being the place, the plot where, like, the thematic purpose of the sensate stuff became more deep. So I really like that move narratively. And I like the range of ways that characters are experiencing the sensateness um, and how that is informed by their positionality.
0: Yeah. So, like, on a previous podcast, we mentioned how, you know, it was was a bummer that uh, Caffius and Sun were not in an entire episode and uh, we had a friend of the podcast, Ryan Slewinski who was like, you know, in ensemble shows, we don't like get confused or, or like we're not unhappy every single time somebody isn't there because that's like ensembles aren't about everybody being there all the time, you know, like Star Trek or Babylon 5 or any of these like shows about a crew of people. Not everybody has to do something every episode, which is true. And I 100% agree with that. Um, I think where that point came from, though, with Sense8 is like, number one, uh, this is a show about people the connection of eight people it's not the connection of six people but number two this episode shows that like you can create a lot of interesting and rich connections between any pairing of these people that are unique and special and funny and warm and thought-provoking and they don't all have to be sun gives people martial arts powers or will gives people gun powers it's like well, actually, there are problems that some of these characters deal with that only other people can talk with them to talk through. And that is showcased really, really well in this one. Um, And I think emotionally, the characters are sharing with each other in ways that are, again, really funny and also really touching. Um, I think... uh, Did you have any thoughts on that, by the way, before I get into it?
1: Um, Yeah, I think... What I was noticing by the second episode, especially, is the ways that we're starting to explore how, and in this first one, we definitely see a lot more of like how one sensate is feeling influencing how another sensate is feeling. So, like, the fact that Sun is on her period is creating this like a uh, comedic plot where Leto feels like he's on his period, basically. Okay. Um, and that's one way that this happens in some ways that are funny, some ways that are more serious, but like I'm feeling emotions rushing towards me from the connection to these other people. That's influencing how I'm feeling. But there's also this other part of it. That's like, because I'm already feeling a certain way, I am brought to particular other people, uh, which I think is intriguing to me. And that's kind of like what's happening with Kala, for example, and Wolfgang. It's like she's feeling a certain way. So her connection specifically to him strengthens at times where she's feeling more receptive to that connection, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, anyway, so there are a bunch of different examples of that. But I just think it's really, there's a lot of nuance that we start to explore with like how visits happen as well as how sensations and emotions are shared or not shared um that i think is just really cool to watch and the thing that i come out of both of these episodes appreciating that i think i said a couple episodes ago is this is just such a like finely tuned intricate show it feels like Uh, symphony really like all these different instruments have been strategically placed at different parts of the composition and like you hear a trumpet and you're like that's the trumpet section playing trumpet stuff but you also kind of unfocus your ears at times and you just hear the whole thing wash over you right and just hear the song and the whole the whole piece Um, and that's something that I think, I don't think I've ever seen an ensemble show accomplish that sort of thing because often ensemble shows are like constrained by reality. They're constrained by the fact that like, well, this character can't just talk to this other character right now because they're not in the same place. They're miles Mm -hmm. and miles away from each other um, or they don't know where the other person is or whatever. And so, you know, most on, most ensemble shows are just kind of like, well, we'll visit this plot and then we'll go to this plot and then we'll go to that plot, and it's beautiful the way that this show just sort of jumps you over here and then suddenly you're here and you didn't even realize you were going here, but now you're over with this other character, and um, it's really it's really well, a marvelous thing to 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 watch.
0: It is, it is absolutely, and it's what works for me the most is like we watched that pilot. And one of our biggest complaints, and I think most people who maybe started the show would say, this is so broad. They're painting you with such broad brushes and making every character so, like, cartoonish almost. And uh, what what's really now finally starting to click with the show is when they interact with each other, we learn things about the characters that we would never have learned about in their own plot lines. I mean, perfect example. We have Leto coming, like, becoming comfortable being an emotional actor who's, like, performing both as an actor and as like pretending to be straight for people and like his like quote unquote receiving of son's period pain, like brings out an emotional worry that was already in him, but is just kind of highlighted and underscored because of that. Uh, take as well, for example, like we didn't, we would have never have known that Caffeus is somebody with like a wide eyed optimism and excitement about travel and seeing the world until he goes to Riley and goes like, Oh my God, British tea. Like, that's really interesting. I did not know that about Caffius and his plotline would have never taken us there. Um, Or that like Kala is like sexually naive despite being an adult uh, because she's never been like in a long-term relationship. So like seeing Wolfgang, we learned that like she has desires and certain things that she's into or not into. Um, So like, that's the magic of Sense8, right? Is you can like learn about these characters and do even like traditional ensemble show character development in a, story about connection and how we see and feel each other all at once. Um, Yeah.
1: And I I think just the last thing I'll say before we get into specifics of certain plots and how those unfold is like sense eight should be taught in film classes as a show that perfectly exemplifies like the importance of kind of fundamental principles of visual storytelling And what happens when you break those principles, things that are even as small as like when that amazing, amazing sequence when Caffius and Sun are walking together in their city centers in Nairobi and Seoul. And there's like little tiny things like you see a shot that shows that Sun is going to sit down from where she was to where she's sitting. But Caff, you don't see footage of Kathy is going from there to there you just see him sitting there when she gets there Mm -hmm. which like in another context it's like oh you you fucked up like there's no continuity in the shots here Um, how do we know that Kathy has walked from here to here and sat down but in this show the point of that is to communicate like he's there but he's not really there and there are just so many ways uh, that this show does little like kind of intricate filmmaking choices like that to communicate the nature of the connections that they're having, uh, to communicate how the characters are feeling about them, uh, if they're surprised by them. We talk a lot about the way the show uses match cuts and it continues to do that. Um, But just little things like, oh, you know, when are we choosing to intercut between sequences and what does that tell us about how the sequences are interrelated or when are we choosing to show a character walking from point A to point B versus not? And how do we use movement to motivate a cut where now suddenly they're in London instead of in Nairobi? Um, I just think that stuff is like really, really cool to watch if you're watching it with the eye of like, how do you put together a set of images that make this story coherent uh, for the audience. So I continue to be really impressed by by that, by the Wachowskis and by, in this case, uh, James James, Boutique. Mc, James Boutique, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like the mapping, like the screenwriting, the the storyboarding specifically is the word I'm looking for of this episode and end of the show must be so difficult even like like you think about uh Kala's eating a dessert that was made by her father and then we cut to Nomi and she's like my coffee tastes like an, a dessert and then anyways now Nomi's plot is about something entirely different like just it feels like when you listen like you said to a good song or like a symphony and it just flows so beautifully and you're like I, I don't see the thread I don't see the like the to to reference Leto's plotline, I don't see the wires here. Um, which is why it's so funny when they like dude in universe acting and performing, because the show has so far managed to really successfully hide the like thematic wire connecting everything together. Um, which is like just impressive. Um but like let's let's talk about Lido first, you know, because he's got some of the funniest stuff in this episode. Um so he's feeling bloated after Sun is feeling bloated because she's having her period. Um, it's a tough night after everybody did karaoke last week. And him and her see each other in the mirror and have a kind of uh, freak out moment of like, oh, my God, who are you? And we learned something fun, which is that like we, we talked about how people are all speaking English. But in to each other, they're technically speaking their native languages. So Sun is speaking Korean and Lito is speaking Spanish all the time in this plot line. But when they listen to each other, when they hear each other, they both hear English. And they also can separately speak English. It's weird, right? Because they like, can clearly understand each other's native languages, and they speak in-universe English to each other.
1: Um. Yeah. Well, I think it, the lines are a little blurry, because one of the early visits that we see is Riley and Caffius, and... They explicitly say that they're speaking English to each other. Like yeah. Riley is speaking English because she's in London. Um, Caffius is speaking Swahili, and then he notices Riley speaking English, and he also speaks English, so he's, so he's so he starts actively speaking English. But I think mm-hmm. everybody else just speaking is speaking is not speaking English, it's just for our benefit. As the audience, we're understanding that they're communicating to each other and they understand each other. But it is interesting when the show chooses to have them speak in their native languages to communicate like, hey, this is what's happening in their heads. Anyway, we're not going to do this the whole time because it's confusing to you as an English-speaking viewer. Um, But like that whole sequence in the bathroom with Kala and Wolfgang, I thought that was great. And that's, that's an example of... Nobody's speaking English there, but they're eventually understanding each other.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, we could dig into every single one of these, but it's mostly just a lot of cool combinations. Like you said, we have got Riley and Caffius. We've got Leto and uh, Sun, which we don't expect. Um, We have Caffius and Sun, which is probably the best, like, emotional one of the episode. Yeah. Uh, And then the one for me that I thought was underrated was uh, Will and Nomi, because uh, Will and Riley especially are, like having in-universe interactions with other people on the show uh, Mm -hmm. because real-life Will Gorski calls real-life Nomi's mom uh, and asks, like, as a cop to talk to her about, like, what's going on with the procedure and she proceeds to dead name her child and make this awful point about, like, the hormones must have messed up her brain or something, which is scientific BS. Uh, And, you know, he's the one who corrects her and says, like, your daughter's daughter's name is Nomi. And... We love a white cop who's cis trans rights. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand Will, s- stand or stand Will yet. Uh, I still find him annoying. I find Diego fascinating. We'll talk about Diego in the second episode. But I don't know. I was happy to see Nomi get a small win here. And her scenes with Neitz are also deeply, deeply earnest and nice in this episode. Yeah. Um, they have a conversation. I'm just jumping around here, man. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not here to have a linear conversation. This is chat safe, baby. <laughs> yeah,
1: the show is anything but linear. I'm. I'm wondering, just for before we leave, Will that moment? That moment. That moment with Will Gorski, um, uh, like that was really interesting to me. That that's the character that we choose to be the one to stick up for Nomi. Yeah. Um. And that feels like a statement about the like the potential of empathy right Mm -hmm. that i mean in either direction either like hey this presumably cis white male uh i was going to say heterosexual but we actually (laughs) hold on unless unless the second episode um That he, you know, recognizes this and, and stands up, but also maybe there's some empathy in the other direction of like, you assume that this guy was going to be a dickhead, but actually maybe he was fine. And I don't know. That's just intriguing to me that that's the character we choose to be the first of the sensates to like make a point of, of that, you know? Um, but, uh. I don't know what else to make of that except I am interpreting Will Gorski to be like the the American Joe white guy stand-in character. Um and it's intriguing to me to have that character do that. Um
0: Right. Yeah. This is the cop, he's Joey Pants's son. And he gets yelled at for not right. being a good cop. And right. yet he's the one who also stands up for Nomi. Uh, uh and it's true. <laughs> like I know trans people who are friends who have friends who are police officers like it's not that it's a not all cops plot line but it's just that like it doesn't have to be this bad there can be nice people he can still be a weapon of state violence and a nice person both of those things can exist simultaneously sure yeah uh but yeah it's a it's a good moment and it leads into i think one of the sweetest moments of the series so far which is like nomi and and amanita's plot which you know, on paper, it's, like, so saccharine, but I like how saccharine it is because mm-hmm. Nomi is somebody who has not had this kind of sweetness and niceness in her life. Yeah. And so she describes to, to Nietzsche the feeling of being seen and not seen all at once and mm-hmm. how No uh Amanita was one of the first people to ever make her feel actually seen properly as herself and not just, like, a face in the crowd or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And they say something that, like, You know, we don't talk, queer discourse has gone so far past this idea nowadays, but like how quickly things have changed and discourse has changed. And like, these are two queer women in San Francisco, California, who didn't grow up with these thoughts, who were raised with these Mm -hmm. thoughts, like within the past two decades of their lives. And so, Amanita is like, you know, she says a lot, impossibility is a kiss away from reality. Because like, you know, Mm -hmm. you wake up one day and you, it, it, it just starts to make sense to you maybe yeah. I love women, maybe i uh maybe gender doesn't matter as me to to me as much, and then you are just somebody like these two girls who seem very out there and strange and ridiculous, but they are now having this earnest human conversation about like I don't know, I'm still a person, I'm still a human, just like everybody else. It's just that I made certain decisions in my life, and i I feel different now, like my life is permanently changed for the better, yeah. They I mean, make them and fucking Nomi says Amanita made her believe in love again. And I was like, fuck, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I love this.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a really fascinating theme or, or thing to think about about like how the a queer perspective is like so essential to this show. Um hearing you talk about like how these are characters who like know a deep fundamental core truth about themselves and their lives that they very recently or within their conscious memory, uh, like understood the scope of, or understood what it means to them or how to live that thing or are still figuring it out. And like that fundamentally is what's happening to the characters in this show they are having their very like life essence their existence their sense of selfhood completely fundamentally changed or called into question and they're having to like figure out well this is actually who i am and maybe who i always was and mm-hmm. what do i what do i make of that Um, so that's really interesting to think about.
0: It's something I think about a lot, obviously, of just like, can you go back? Can you ever return to the innocence of life where you didn't think about or understand these things? Because even Mm -hmm. like, I know people who have detransitioned who still think about things like this, like your brain... And the way it gets rewired is permanent. Like you, it, And it, it's flexible. It's malleable. It can change. But it doesn't go back. It doesn't revert to a point mm-hmm. where you didn't understand the spectrum of love and gender and sex. It's just like a thing that you add on to your brain and is beautiful. And, like, you can continue to live the whole rest of your life with that. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's, like, so important, for example, that, like, queer people be allowed to live long lives. And why people make such a big deal about how sad it is that, that we often... Have shorter lifespans is like you just figured it out. These are like, and I'm sorry to like dig too deep into this, but like you just figured it out. Let them live a whole life with this and how beautiful that can be. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's that's my little (laughs) I love Nomi and Amanita Corner for this episode at least. They're just so good and sweet. Um, going back to Leto for a sec, uh, he's dealing with. The troubles of being a masculine action hero while uh, going through a brain period. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) this director, who's just very goofy, is like trying to get more. Um, emotion out of him more action out of him and the scene where the the hot lady comes down the stairs and Leto starts crying because (laughs) life is short and it's (laughs) futile and beauty is futile (laughs) and the guy's like can you just want to fuck her for two seconds bud can you just
1: (laughs) chill
0: (laughs) easy easy we're making a movie what's all this death and decay talk come on so funny there's almost an aspect to it too of like Doug, we're making movies so that we don't have to think about death and decay. That you're literally mm-hmm. in the industry where we stop, where we avoid thinking about that. Like, let's yeah, let's not. And he just keeps asking the director, like, you know, does my character know he's going to be betrayed? Doesn't shouldn't he know by now? What's his emotional state? And the guy's like, you want to fuck and you would want to kill people, and that's all your character does. Stop overthinking this. <laughs> right, uh, right. I love it, and I and I've heard like interviews with, you know, action movie actors who are like. You do think about stuff like this, even if it doesn't make it onto the screen. You feel it, yeah. and this all concludes in a really stunning action scene where uh, they use the squibs because they don't want to. I don't have time to practice without squibs. Uh, and speaking of art is like religion. The villain of this film that Leto is filming is—is uh, is he an art? I believe he actually is an art thief or something.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It's just some like movie villain guy who has yeah lots of art or opinions on art or
0: something and so there's this shootout like in an art gallery and the director is like the point is that there's going to be blood everywhere and it's impossible to clean so we're going to do this in one take please get it right leto and this is synced up with (laughs) the comedy man the jokes i love the the writers of the show for this uh Lito is being a badass action hero while Will Gorski thinks he's a badass action hero and he is not. Uh he is yeah. playing a, a first person shooter when you've never held a controller before in your life. Yeah. Just like eating shit, falling over boxes, missing turns, getting <laughs> da- he just gets <laughs> clowned on <laughs> relentlessly. Him and Diego are trying to chase down the kid from I think I think it's the kid from the first episode or like some other kid uh yeah. because there's like some reason to believe that he's involved in gang violence, so they're chasing him through his yeah, neighborhood, and his that, family is, sees him and he runs away, and they fucking suck at it.
1: Yeah, that wasn't. That was the kid they saved. Is that what it is?
0: I was not clear on this.
1: I was really not clear. His partner said something about like that picture that you took the other day or something. Mm-hmm. I do not remember what that was referring to. Um. Yeah, this stuff is the chicago stuff is bad it's not good i think i will say intercutting it with this like cheesy action movie scene felt like it was poking fun at the badness of the chicago stuff exactly and like the way that like you're saying will gorski thinks he's an action hero type of thing or like the way that he and his partner view their role and how like movie fied that is uh, so that felt like a meaningful commentary but then for the music to cut and for us to do this thing where like the guys they run into are like hey do I smell bacon you're in the wrong neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, it's like what what are we doing, are we doing? here can we yeah. not
0: <laughs> it's super corny it feels like like um, baby's first anti-police violence plot i mean this is like yeah that's the the 2015-ness of it is like when the show is not pro cop i can i i I can say that with most confidence for sure for sure which is nice in an era of so much propaganda to finally have a show that's like pretty firmly anti-cop but it's in such a hammy way that it feels like immature almost you know and i think it's also
1: still adopting some storytelling tropes of like 90s copaganda type movies yeah like this this whole sequence feels like i'm watching a cop movie from 1995 or something Mm -hmm. like that um so i don't know it's just it misses the mark a little bit but i do think it's more self-aware than maybe i was giving it credit for when we were seeing some of the cop stuff from previous episodes
0: right and and what it tur- what it loops back into is uh what's his face the director for leto being like you know i have the biggest heart on that's never going to go away which <laughs> reminds us also that like and they talk about this a lot in the second episode but like heterosexuality is a, is a circle it loops around back into being gay like and this is like a yeah. trope you know in a lot of media <laughs> is Uh is like oh a lot of hollywood types and a lot of like toxic straight men are actually like closeted gay men which is like a Mm -hmm. pretty harmful stereotype but also uh is like kind of what they're teasing in a joking way there of like Mm. i've got a big boner because you're so sexy (laughs) in your action movie it's like yeah well this is all you're also talking to a, a gay man who is like a closeted gay man like the the comedy is not lost on me there yeah right um but it's, yeah, uh, doing his the film.
1: specific line is, uh, I've got a heart on that's gonna last all week. <laughs> Sheesh. the specificity of that that I found tra- kind of charming.
0: Um, also, Leto crying in the car going home after the bad day and then like hallucinating in the car. That it's sequence kind of was so
1: good. Yeah, that was great.
0: But my roommate was asking this Does he get, does someone hit his car? I think.
1: I couldn't tell whether someone hit his car or he hit someone's car.
0: They just go right I- past it.
1: Yeah. He got in some minor fender bender type of thing. Okay.
0: He's rich. It's fine.
1: Yeah. it's Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. a big deal or anybody got hurt.
0: Um, but yeah, like the, that stuff made the will plot kind of funny to me, but otherwise was not, it's still not my favorite. Um, no, 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 no. I wanted to briefly just mention the Wolf King stuff. This episode, it's not as good as the stuff in the second one, but uh, something, something yeah, robbery. They're... He has an uncle,
1: right? They're trying to do some like, oh, my son was gonna crack that safe, but you cracked it. Like y- what the hell? Your
0: dad failed to crack it and it ruined his career. Are you gonna ruin your career? Never I'm forget who come you
1: are. Crack, crack you open oh. and kill you. Oh, okay, okay. sure. Okay. I think I would like, you know, I, I I like my share of movies like this that are kind of like, uh, handheld, like small ensemble crime drama, like this movie of Wolfgang and his best bud, they're German safe-cracking guys, and they get in over their heads, and that's the movie, like. I'd spend ninety minutes or whatever watching that and being like, "Whoa! Have you ever seen German Wolf uh, German Wolfcrack? Crack?" <laughs> I don't know why wow. that's what it's called. Have you ever seen Wolf Crack? Yeah, it's this like nineteen ninety six like crime thriller. It's actually really good. Um, but in this show, it's like, nah, I'm I'm okay.
0: <laughs> I don't.
1: I don't need it
0: i don't need it and it's happening really slowly too which makes like those movies work like heat for example works really well because it's pretty fast-paced despite being long and it's mm-hmm. about like people in opposition to each other whereas this mm-hmm. is like it's like getting in the way of wolfgang just getting in getting with kala and hanging out with felix like the plot right, is, which like is an way more
1: interesting to me than yeah him talking to this guy
0: that's, like, not to, to spoil anything, but, like, that's, like, what the show does that starts to annoy me is when the main plot gets in the way of the characters just being characters. And it's, like, I guess we have to take care of the bearded guy. I guess we have to do X, Y, Z. Right. Like, that's, like, where the show starts to lose me a little. But... Yeah. Anyways. uh, Yeah, there's not too much with Wolfgang, though. Do you have any other big stuff? Him and, and Felix have fun at a bar and listen to music, and they, then he goes to the bathroom and speaks to Kala in the bathroom
1: yeah felix is doomed to death i mean this guy's gonna get killed at some point entirely
0: yeah that's what it feels like yeah i wish i wish him the best but i don't think it's gonna happen yeah uh uh, the song playing in the background here is called crocodile tamed by zoe wise which if you look it up is i liked it it was good um it says as heard on sense eight if you look it up which is maybe it was an original song anything could happen um yeah, that's mainly his stuff. Nomi's got some fun allies in her corner. Some like it's like fun to see her and all the other queer folk like helping each other. Power of community, power of solidarity, and all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to just shout those people out because I thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, Caffius, also a highlight of this episode. Him and Sons being to each other, as we said earlier, just really good. He's a fun tourist. They debate their identity, who they want to be, and how they are both sacrificing themselves for other people. This is again what I'm talking about of yeah. like if you put any of these characters together, they find their connection and it's really beautiful and specific. These are both people who are like trapped by family in a way for better and for worse. Definitely. He tells her briefly about a story, the story about his mom. uh, They were threatened by some like scary men at their house one day and she had a knife and she was positive. She could kill one of these men and none of them wanted to threaten her and do anything because they didn't want to be the one who got hurt. Mm. So, Caffius continues to idolize people who can defend the weak and the, yeah. uh, the incapable. So I think Caffius is just going to become Van Dam at some point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like why not? Right. doesn't somebody yeah. call him Van sham in this episode. That was pretty fun. <laughs> oh, cause, he yeah, tries, Cause he tries yeah. to do like a
1: roundhouse kick and he falls flat on his face.
0: Sad. Pretty hilarious. Yeah. Uh, they take the bag back from him and Then he takes the bag and then he brings it to Silas and it had coconuts in it. Silas was like, I was testing you. You almost died because I was testing you. Ha ha. Silas sucks. Mm. Oh, yeah. I like him. I like how much he sucks, but he sucks. Like big I time. think
1: they do a lot of work to make him clearly terrifying, but not like evil, which is yes. interesting.
0: Tough I balance, like that. right?
1: Yeah. Because there are some other, you know, antagonistic characters in the other plots who are like, this is a bad guy. But Silas, it's like, Ugh, I don't want to get mixed up with this guy, but, like, I don't dislike him, I think. Yeah,
0: I think it's in the second episode. Yeah, once once they establish what they're going to be doing with him. Yeah. And uh, Cavius is talking to his friend, and he's like, I'm working for Silas. And you just get the feeling with the friend that Jayla that you're like, oh, boy. Oh, that's not a guy that we want to get involved with. Nothing bad has happened yet, but it will. It inevitably right. will. Right. Um, we're waiting for the shoe to drop with this plot, basically. Yeah um right kaffias also just hangs out with riley for five minutes and that was the one you mentioned earlier that's really funny he says uh or she he's like oh i'm in like uh i'm in nairobi and she's like oh my god in africa and the way that this amul amin smiles and he goes yeah in kenya in in the country of kenya <laughs> yeah she so made perfect. the same
1: the same mistake that i did last week of not knowing where nairobi is i thought that was yeah pretty pretty good call out post
0: exactly for you specifically yeah but then he they flip the script because then he also generalizes right. he's like english. london he's like,
1: <laughs> oh the queen harry potter
0: english tea like yeah very so, good there's we we all have assumptions about other people yeah um that's the main stuff for my boy Caffius. he gets his bag back he's talking to silas he's got a job for him we'll find out what that is yeah And then uh, just some stuff about Kala. She's getting her henna tattoo as part of the Mendy ritual for her marriage. We learned that she's the first woman in her family to marry for love, which is really sad.
1: Pull on the shirt at the neck there.
0: How does that feel to be like a day before your wedding and your mom is like, by the way, none of us have ever loved each other before until you. Congrats. Huh? Wait.
1: And to be like, wait, me? I'm not marrying for love. What?
0: I don't love him. That's really cringe actually yeah um it's fun seeing the rituals though and this concludes with her uh extremely over the top uh wedding sequence again uh did i guess is there is there wedding stuff oh yeah the, the seven step ceremony happens in this this is the end of the episode where, yeah i uh, thought that
1: was a great sequence i really liked it
0: it was the intercutting from like step one and then like go to wolfgang step two go to wolfgang step three oh god what's going on with wolfgang And they're cutting to other people too. They're cutting to other characters. Yeah.
1: I mean, there are two, there were like kind of two thematic things that blended into each other here, which I thought was really cool. The first is coming out of his conversation with Sun, Cafia says, uh, sometimes you make the choice, sometimes the choice makes you. And then Mm -hmm. we follow these characters who like have to make a choice. Like, okay. Son has to make a choice, and she ends up giving her dog to her uh, martial arts teacher guy yeah. because she's going to go to prison. Um, Sad. And Kala has to make a choice about getting married. and But then it's like Wolfgang is naked in a pool. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fucking choice does this guy have to make? Like He already made a choice. I guess that's what it is. He made a choice. And he's gonna get fucked over by it, is what it is. Right. Um, he tries
0: to continue with the safe cracking stuff.
1: Yeah. And then we kind of flow from that into the seven steps thing, and Kala saying what the seven steps are, and it's all this stuff about like, you know. Commitment. Uh, commitment and tying your life together with somebody else's. And uh it's this really cool sequence because it's talking about like all these values of of matrimony and whatever and human connection and it's cutting to all the other sensates and so the episode is like simultaneously glorifying these values but also you know undercutting like why are these values housed within this very specific ceremony this very specific context or like format of relationship Mm -hmm. you know um, and I thought that was r- just a really cool way to communicate that theme. Um, and then of course, it <laughs> culminates with Naked Wolfgang being there in the aisle, like, Hey, I object.
0: <laughs> I can't tell if I am having sensate memory of this show from watching it six, seven years ago, or if uh-huh. it's predictable. But I like turned to my roommate and I was like, Wolfgang is. G- Kyle's going to see his dick right before she makes the seventh step. And then that happens. And I was like, did I, is this show predictable? Or am I remembering that? What the fuck? That felt,
1: that felt predictable. I mean, the yeah. dude's nude in the pool. Like she's going to see his dick. I didn't think I was going to see it,
0: but <laughs> you got a whole couple seconds of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I made a tweet on the Chatspot account, uh, this week, uh, which I just sent to you so you can look at it. Okay. And it was about, it was kind of like poking fun at the way that Sense eight, uh, like like makes it, dramatizes and, and almost like fetishizes in a way the the like Hindu marriage ceremony. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's mostly, it's not that it's like critical or that it's just that it's like so fascinated by it. And you make a good point that at least the seven steps thing is like, hey, these are all different ways that we commit to each other. But my problem with it and also why I tweeted that was it feels like, the maybe I'm wrong here, but the creators of the show are almost saying like, isn't it ridiculous that the seven steps work this way? Why would anybody be like permanent? Like it, it, it's beautiful, but also showing that like, she's not going to do this. She's not going mm-hmm. to like commit to, to Rajan because one uh, maybe like heterosexual marriage is like too uh, constricting and two, they don't love each other. That's the truth of it. And mm-hmm. it just feels like it's not like, it's not, it's not saying that this is a normal thing. That's beautiful and happens to people all the time, which it is. It's more like, huh? She says that. Isn't that strange that they do all the rituals? But like, they did the steps. Yeah. They did the saptapati, the the Indian wedding ceremony thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the
1: the place where I feel conflicted is, um, the show is very happy to like make this look beautiful and make this yeah. look like a traditional. I mean, I don't know what's traditional, but. to – present to the viewer like this is an Indian wedding ceremony and look, look at how cool it looks. And we're going to slow-mo different parts of it and like relish the, the kind of trappings of this cultural thing Mm -hmm. for the sake of making cinema out of it. Um, And like that stuff, that feels as weird to me as like the way that the show lights and shoots the scene where Caffey's is with his mom and she opens the door and, like, the guys have torches and machetes and stuff where it's like, "Ah, like, I am an American white guy and I have been given images like this to represent these places in the world before. So I don't have the rubric to be able to tell if what you're giving me is like accurate or not but the fact that it's matching other images that i've gotten from other places makes me feel like it's like an oversimplification or a trope or whatever mm-hmm. and that stuff with the collar plot feels like ah are we celebrating this like very specific cultural thing or are we like this looks cool huh Take a Uh look at how cool this looks. And, uh, anyway, she's
0: gonna get with the white guy. It's like, yeah.
1: And I, and I think where it succeeds for me is being this like gentle, empathetic critique of monogamy.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) the word I'm looking
1: for. Um, but it's not a specific commentary on like, this particular indian ceremony it's just like this is the particular brand of marriage uh, that we're using to talk about marriage very broadly um or to talk about how we can have a more expansive understanding of like what does it mean to be connected and committed to to other people
0: people exactly because yeah like the Nomi and Amanita plot is also about being connected to someone and feeling seen and all that stuff so like we aren't to judge one or the other. It's just that one of these isn't going to succeed. And the other one is right. right, right. You know, um, the episode does have that scene. And also it's a montage that made me pretty emotional actually here at the end. Cause like some of us are eating dinner alone. Some of us are alone in a pub. Some of us are alone swimming and some of us are at a wedding and some of us are, you know, like it's just like the, the variety of life. If you like let life happen to you, how varied it can be and how many things are out there for you to see and experience uh i just found this like really i don't know very affecting and in the way that like Sensei is trying to to be which is to say uh just showing the full spectrum of of ways that people spend their time and like we are to assume then that this is all happening simultaneously right because time zones uh
1: yeah i was wondering about that i was more attentive to like are we making sure that it's the certain the correct amount of daylight in different places so that it matches up? Um, but it, I think it's meant to be simultaneous.
0: Because when Will and Riley have their quote-unquote meet-cute later in episode two, in the second episode this week, they talk about it, yeah. They talk about the time zone difference, yeah. Um, Before we get into straight notes, I wanted to read you the seven promises that they make oh, as part okay. of this ceremony, just so we can at least say that we did a little bit of the work, 1% of it. So sure. the, the seven steps in an Indian wedding ceremony are the, called the Saptapadi. I'm sorry for pronouncing that wrong. Um, the first step, let us provide for our household, stay in good health, and carry out our duties and responsibilities to each other, our families, and our tradition. The second one is let us develop our mental and spiritual powers. The third mm-hmm. is let us increase our wealth and comfort by righteous and proper means. We love that. Four, let us acquire knowledge, happiness, and harmony by mutual love, respect, and trust. Five, let us be blessed with contended family of strong, virtuous, and heroic children. Six, let us be blessed with long lives. And seven, let us remain true companions committed only to each other. So, yeah, deeply monogamous, but also there's something beautiful about, like, the understanding that you're marrying into a family and that that comes with its own set of responsibilities. Good stuff. Very cool. Before we move into the second episode, John, did you have any stray notes you wanted to bring up?
1: Um <laughs> the only <laughs> I wrote Rajan getting fucking sturdy on the dance floor. That's what I wrote in my notes. Sturdy.
0: Sturdy. <laughs> he's getting sturdy. He's quite he's good. Does he is this when he rides in on a bike, or is that on the second episode? <laughs> rides in on a bike? You think rides in on a bike a bicycle or a motorcycle during one of the ceremonies? I Dude, think weird. It's
1: this one. I don't know. I don't know. He's a cool guy. Maybe.
0: He's, maybe. Maybe not. Um, I have a quick one. Son, her teacher having her balance a cup of water while she does a pose is fun. And then, and then when taking he turns a drink around, from it. yeah, she takes a sippy. I love that. Love that. Did you catch the line when Wolfgang speaks some Hindi to Kala in the bathroom, and then the mom or the aunt rather is like, "Oh, you know, you and I should have a conversation. I can explain." uh da dot dot some things that happen after you get married she says auntie it's okay we have the internet also i have a really <laughs> hot german guy with a big dick who keeps walking around my apartment so like i know what dicks look like it's fine yeah yeah
1: the um, internet right
0: yeah right. internet of humans speaking of yeah. dicks by the way last thing i have uh yeah. So while Lita's prepping for his scene about the destruction of art, Will signs a piece of art, which is this insane birthday card that Diego hands to him with like an elephant penis on it. Like a dick that like swings around. Do you see this? It like goes around the guy's body. No. Do not rewind back. Unless you're at home and you're interested, you can rewind back and find it. But it's absurd. (laughs) It's supposed to be like it's a gag birthday card but Uh the show and i'm like some graphic designer made this oh god (laughs) i love it do you have anything else my nope that's it fabulous in that case we'll be right back after this brief musical break to discuss demons inside inside demons
1: Welcome back to Chats8. The second episode we watched this week was Season 1, Episode 6 of Sense8, entitled Demons. It was written by Lily and Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski, directed by Lily and Lana Wachowski. It aired on June 5th, 2015, just like the rest of the first season. Alan, what happened in Demons? Demons.
0: In this episode, while the Sensates bond, Nomi takes a bold move to gain her freedom, and Sun makes a choice that she may someday regret. We're cooking. It's a serialized drama. More things continue from last episode. Did you like the things that happened in this episode, Magellan?
1: Yeah. Thank you, by the way, for warning me that this one gets a little sexy, because uh, just timing-wise, I had to watch this one on my phone on the train. Luckily, I was able to do it picture in picture, and when the sex stuff happened, I made it real small on my screen, Dying. the size of a fingernail, and I had to put it even into my pocket because even that wasn't enough for what was happening on the screen. You really
0: put it in your pocket? Yeah, because There's I did
1: not want people on the train to see me watching the scene.
0: Watching a big, <laughs> a big gay so trans orgy.
1: It was Cool though, good, good, good times, everybody.
0: I, I, I did warn you before we watched the show. This was yes. a big reason we weren't gonna watch this show. And here yeah, we are.
1: when we were first thinking about covering it, uh, yeah. <clears throat> that's right. Anyway, it was a pretty good episode. I, I came out of it like, God, good show. Never seen Sorry. anything like it. What a show.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it, it hits you with surprises, which yeah, I think can often feel like, wow, I love this so much. And then you think about them and you're like, I think that's just different from things I've seen before. And it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And I love different. The show is very different in a good way. Yeah. Um, It opens with a cute musical montage as Will and Riley have their little, their fucking me cute. They, they basically have a sensate Skype date. Try saying Sensate Skype date three times fast.
1: Sensate Skype date. Sensate Skype date. Sensate Skype date. Yeah.
0: It's not as hard as I thought. Um, this is just very fun because what, like Will and Riley are like our two least developed characters. But mm. at the very least, they get to be developed with each other. And uh, <laughs> they can mechanically figure out the Sensate stuff faster than everyone else because they have nothing else to do. Uh, so yeah,
1: I, I will say, starting the episode with like wills at a cop party and there's this like acoustic guitar music and then riley's there i'm like okay uh, i'm gonna i'm just gonna take a quick nap but it yeah. ended up being a very sweet scene so my apologies to Sensei. i'm sorry it
0: yeah the show always leans earnest and sweet and saccharine and i, I I'm, yeah. I'm pretty okay with it um yeah She's always wanted to go to Chicago. He's always wanted to go to London. She says, well, here you are. And they blink and they're in a pub in London. It's cute. Mm -hmm. Or in her apartment, rather. Um, Yeah. Then the real fun comes from him giving her his phone number. Why does he hand his phone to Diego to, like, prove that it's real, I guess? Yeah,
1: to prove that if his friend is talking to her, then it's real. Because, like, even if... He's like, hey, I'll call you. If he's hallucinating it, his hallucination could be so elaborate that he thinks it's happening for real. But if he hands the phone to his friend, then like he presumably can't hallucinate that. Must I be guess. happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good, a good point.
1: Yeah. I really like this show keeps finding creative ways to visualize the sensate stuff and to just like play around with it. That moment where they're on the phone together and there's like an echo of them talking. That's so good. Yeah, oh, they're both, I love they're both talking
0: and hearing the echo. It's like, fuck, that's clever. God, God that's it. so fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's such a creative show with its premise. And I, I love
0: that. And and what this episode does and the show always tries to key stick to is like, uh, you know, compliment sandwich style. They will make sad scenes be bookended by nice scenes so Mm -hmm. we go back and forth from nice to sad to nice to sad and it's like okay Will and Riley are friends and they like each other and maybe there's a little bit of spark there Mm -hmm. Uh, Nomi has been robbed and you're like fuck okay we're back to reality I guess whoop there goes rabbit nope he's so bad mom's spaghetti (laughs) and all that Stop it. you don't know how much energy it fills me with after a week of like not feeling enough emotions and wanting attachment and physical love and all that to make you laugh it fucking brightens up my week and i thank you for laughing at that joke <laughs> thank you for making it <laughs> you're welcome um so yeah they robbed Nomi. me neat says the corniest line over here she goes oh my god shit just got real and it's like no me oh, i'm sorry uh, not no me and neat says that and it's like that's illegal <sighs> yeah but whatever, the show isn't about real people talking to each other. It's not, I'm not against it. It's just like, God, yeah. she said shit just got real. Uh, mm-hmm. Son's confessing to embezzlement and doesn't feel good about it. But meanwhile, in Riley's plot, Uncle Benjamin's alive. Just kidding. The guy, Adar from Lord of the Rings, is alive. Just kidding. Uh, what's his name? Tony? <laughs> I don't, uh, Nix. Nix. Nix, good job. N- Nix is alive. He has a gunshot wound through his cheek, though. But unfortunately, Bambi and her boyfriend are alive too. And if you're paying attention, and I said this on the podcast, uh, Riley knew that they were going to betray her because she had the paranoia moment when Lito had the paranoia moment. Ah, uh, yeah. She, he was like in a scene where his character was about to be betrayed. And he goes, I feel like I would know it. I feel like I'm going to be betrayed. And then she walks yeah. up and hangs out with Bambi. I fucking called it. I'm good at this. That's also, really I this show. good
1: foreshadowing.
0: Yeah, it's super clever. The I show like rewards that. you for paying attention to stuff like that. Um and then we get a very very intense scene. Um you took notes on this, right? About Riley and the um Nick's like assault scene.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. That that scene was a lot. Basically what is happening here is Nick's is like, "Where's my money?" Uh Riley doesn't have it anymore because she gave some of it to the busker that she walked by in the the tube. Is
0: that what Good job. Called? Good job. Yeah, they do. Thank yeah.
1: you. Thank you. Um, and she put the rest of it in the bin, the trash bin, the rubbish, mm-hmm. the rubbish, rubbish bin. Um, and then she took a lorry to her flat.
0: Oh my God. Get this man out of here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think a lorry is an elevator. I don't she, know. She, don't. to
0: be fair, to be speaking of British Dairy types, her vape looks like a sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who.
1: We'll talk about the scene where she introduces son to hash. By the way,
0: (laughs) please. (laughs) Okay. What a
1: moment. Um, But yeah, this this guy is a really scary guy. He's like, "Where's my money? Where are my drugs?" She got rid of them. He doesn't believe her, and so he submits her to torture. He puts a plastic bag over her head to asphyxiate her briefly um, to try to get information out of her, bringing her to the brink of passing out. Um, yeah. And it's like we see her face smushed against the sides of the bag and the bag inflating and deflating. Like that woman's head is in a bag right now. Well, in, the stunt actress did yeah, that. Yeah. It's terrifying. And then all of that is happening and it gets intercut with this scene with Will that is also like really alarming where he feels what's happening to Riley as well. He starts choking and he starts fighting back physically and helps her to do that. But in the process, he physically hits the people at the party that he's at. And it's this like kind of scary scene of like, whoa, what, what's happening, man. And him being alienated from the people around him. So it's like, um uh, both this just like raw terrifying violent scene mixed with this like kind of psychological thriller moment of how do you manage you know the sensate stuff um and keep the people around you safe or around your physical body safe um and then the guy the brings a power orc leader guy Nix. um god that guy has a scary face what a good very guy scary. to hire to be your villain. Especially with he the whole, yeah, He does this whole villain monologue where he's like, you know, something as simple as a plastic bag. The, just the act of violence makes it the most terrifying thing in the world. And it's like one of those villain things that's like very written, but also it's like, oh, I'm going to have some nightmares about this guy later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Uh. There, anything can be a weapon if you wield it right, basically. Right, and also, you know, I wrote in my notes like, is Will not going to deal with the consequences of doing all this, and they like hint that he's in trouble, but we just kind of move past it because cops have this kind of immunity about.
1: Like, yeah, it's it's weird. I wonder where that's going to go. It it basically if, is just chalked up to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, just if it's going to go somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's basically just chalked up to, um. His partner being like, People are talking about you, and Will being like, Why? What did I do? Why what are people talking about it? It's like, Okay, uh, so you badly we'll
0: hurt a couple of people, yeah, yeah. Um, some other big hits, uh, Amanita and Nomi come to stay with Amanita's mother, who we meet, or at least the person that she calls mom. Uh, mm-hmm. this is fascinating. I love the conversations that they have about. Uh, the self and the. Do you have the quote by the way about like how the self can only change if introduced to external stimuli?
1: Um. Yeah. So, Nietzsche's mom is a science professor. It seems like. Um, yeah, I think so. And she says the engine of evolution is variation. To be more than yourself, you need to incorporate things that are different from yourself.
0: Such a Which Bukowski's is really, such a Bukowski really cool quote. Line.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's actually, I don't think a direct, I put that in quotes, but I actually don't think that's a direct quote. Um, but that's the concept is like, in order for things to evolve, they need to be different than what came before, or they need to incorporate, you know, various new or different aspects into themselves. Um, yeah. Which is a super Wachowski quote. Fascinating. And what a great way to think about the journey that these characters are on. It's like to become more than yourself, you have to embrace something outside yeah, of you. What's
0: outside of you, yeah. Exactly. And also because what Nomi's worried about that she she verbalizes here is, you know, is th- what well, she says, like, is this one of those, like, brain illnesses that's going to hurt for a while and going to make me feel worse and worse until I die? Or is it like Alzheimer's where I'm going to just fade until I don't recognize myself? And that's mm-hmm. the line to which uh, Neitz's mom is like – well, if it's something that makes you feel like you're different or you're outside of yourself, then it's not you. Like it's beyond you. Uh yeah. very philosophical, very smart, and it's awesome that Nietzsche's mom is just like a cool mom. Yeah. Uh their their plot keeps running into the power of family and community and I mean we love to see it. You really like it sounds funny to say, but we really don't see that actually that much in TV of like Yeah. No but for mm-hmm. real, like your nuclear family can be really nice and helpful sometimes. And supportive. Right. It's it's not all like Nomi's mom. You know, sometimes we have nice parents, Yeah. Uh, and I I just think it's important to show on television. Honestly, I agree, hundred percent. Kala wakes up surrounded by her family. They're worried because she just fainted at the during her wedding. But it becomes this like. Uh, like, sitcom thing where she starts seeing uh Wolfgang, and they have this moment of, like, he's like, you know, you looked at my dick, right? You know, you're still looking at my dick? And she's like, no, <laughs> oh my god. She's, like, very sundere kind of. Uh, <laughs> I think Kala's honestly just, like, figuring this stuff out and has never had the words to, vo- to verbalize it. Like, mm. you're attracted to this guy. It's not weird. It doesn't make you a bad person. Maybe she's, like, grown up in a sort of sheltered life, but she's learning that she can that's like sexual attraction is not bad it's not weird mm-hmm. and uh the problem though is you know wolfgang is like I, I think you want me i think the truth is you want me and i actually want you really badly and mm-hmm. that conflicts with both of our lives because he lives on the other side of the world and she uh is about to get married so like this leads to a really really funny scene later where she's talking to rajan and her father's uh restaurant and he's eating her father's dessert Mm -hmm. and she tries saying like oh you know me fainting that's really embarrassing if i was you i would say that that makes me think i don't love you anymore and if that meant that you wanted to annul the marriage i mean i wouldn't even (laughs) she tries it she tries it she really tries and he fucking takes him the worst he says and i he says you know fainting is a fun part of the story actually i'm gonna tell our kids someday that you fainted as soon as you saw me oh you didn't like that it's it's i mean it's it's uncomfortable like i liked it from our perspective it's just like ugh, god like it's so awkward because she really wants to leave how do yeah. you uh, i guess what it depends on like how you feel about rajan i know not to trust him so i'm like this guy stinks but i get it it's like a fun line
1: i i think it works for me as like this comedic moment of i'm trying to get my way out of this relationship with this guy who's like a cartoonishly woke king, yeah, who's right. just like, I have the perfect thing to say about this horribly embarrassing situation. Mm-hmm. You have no reason to break up with me, <laughs> <laughs> um, which that's the comedy of that is is very uh, entertaining to me. I mean, it's also like terrifying, and there's moments where, you know, I think Call the story is like a scary one. At least this scene to me was kind of like, ah, you know, you're trying to break up with this guy and tell him it's his idea, but, like, he's just too, too much of a wife guy. <laughs>
0: he's <laughs> tragically wife guy. Very sad yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, To pivot for one sec, Majel, can I be the wife mm-hmm. guy to um, Hernando, Lito's boyfriend, for a second? Yeah. Because, holy shit. Uh, yeah. This 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 Kala stuff, Pivots into Lido, Daniela, and Hernando at a lucha wrestling match. Which, like, I've recently awesome. got into wrestling, and I was like so excited. I was watching my roommate like, "Oh my god, wrestling! Lucha, actual wrestlers, awesome!" Hernando and I know I hate, I never say this. I have really big problems with like identifying with characters in media because I feel like. I've never found a character that, like, exactly is me. You know, I say that, but mm-hmm. I'm never, like, this person actually truly feels like me. But mm-hmm. the moment when he's over analyzing the, like, poetry of wrestling and uh, Lito is, like, I love him because he thinks so much about everything like this. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I finally, someone is finally like me. Hernando and I both, <laughs> like, are just weirdly passionate about bullshit. <laughs> like, just he's so into it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the description of the, the, the parca negra, the thing that stops us from becoming who we want to become, that's the heel in this match. The villain yeah. Yeah. is, he says, is it society? Is it capitalism? Is it, you know, racism? It's the thing that stops us from being who we mm-hmm. want to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Leto is overjoyed at his, like, extremely engrossed boyfriend. Uh, yeah. And meanwhile, a mysterious masked man <laughs> looks at Leto. Ske- in a sketchy way. Like, yeah,
1: what was that? Was that like somebody working for the scary guy who we're scared of?
0: Uh, probably. I don't remember. Okay. Fuck if I know. <laughs> I just was so happy to see Hernando and be like, oh my god, he's so cute. A
1: weird. A weird.
0: Yeah, the way but that no they moment. they are sliding into the a plot of the series is like corny, in my opinion. Yeah. Like this could have just been a fun wrestling match. It didn't. It just feels like unnecessary. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I know you got to have like a plot for a show, I guess. Yeah. But like, I would love a version of Sensei where people are just like maxing and relaxing, just
0: that, hanging out. So much of season one, yeah. Yeah. It's just when they get to the stuff, it's like, oh, the plot has arrived. Yeah. Uh, so that's the wrestling stuff. Uh do we want to talk briefly about Silas Catheus and Silas's daughter?
1: Uh yeah, let's talk about that.
0: Um Silas introduces Catheus to Amandi, his very nice, very friendly daughter, who doesn't realize she's like a breaking bad side character. She doesn't realize that her father is like a a rich, like criminal magnate or whatever. Uh she just thinks he's a nice man and loves her, and that's true. And she has leukemia. And so Silas is like, hey, you know, I'm giving your mom medicine, but I also need her to go to get treatment regularly. And she needs to be driven there. And if I drive her, this is confusing, by the way. He says, if I drive her, people are going to like, like shoot up our van or whatever because they hate me. Uh, and if I, and they know my drivers. So I can't use my cars or my drivers. I need you to take her in your, he's just like, your piece of shit bus. But like, uh, you know, Caffius takes her and like goes for a drive with her, but she's the only person in the bus. So like if anybody was looking yeah. for them, aren't they just going to be like, Oh weird. The one empty bus with one person in it. Oh, it's for the daughter in these open right. windows, huh? Figured it out. Caffius has also been drawing a lot of
1: attention to himself lately. And people have been calling him Van Dam. and his bus says the Van Dam on yeah.
0: it. It's yeah. subtle.
1: It doesn't quite line up. Like, maybe if it was like, hey, I have a vehicle be the driver or something. Or what you're yeah. saying of, like, hide her on the, a normal bus drive.
0: Yeah, just put other people. I guess, like, if you put other people on the bus, you might get people that you don't trust. But, like, I don't know. There's that old lady. Bring the old lady. Bring some other people on the bus. Yeah. Uh, just the bus being with just her in it seems irresponsible, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really make sense.
0: And, like, bad for business, right? Because Jayla later is like, we got all these people filled up on the bus. And then Kathy has to be like, no, actually, get everybody off the bus. This is her day. And that, yeah. I don't know. I guess the money works out because they got paid a lot. But it's weird. Mm. We know that this is going to go badly, right? We, we understand. Oh, yeah. Totally <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? It's going to go terribly.
0: I've seen so many action movies where, I mean, this is like a Van Damme movie plot, funnily enough is like deliver a child somewhere and you'll get a lot of money and you'll be able to help your parents. And it's like, and then he fights people. I know how this goes. Yeah. Is uh, it time for, oh, and then sl- last thing before the best scene of the episode, Son is in a sad women's prison now after being publicly arrested. Uh, and the intercutting, speaking of the like interesting ways they intercut sensates, she is being interviewed yeah. about her sexual history in a women's prison in like really invasive ways yeah. while Lito is on TV and being interviewed by a woman who is ostensibly trying to figure out something about his sexual history. Like she has yeah. suspicions. Right. And she might be trying to out him. And it's like the fear in both of them is just ping ponging back and forth perfectly. Really yeah. strong scene. Like it just shows that not all the sensei connections have to be like charming or helpful or beautiful it's like no sometimes we both have bad days for the same reason Mm -hmm. uh or we are feeling like the world is pressing in on us for the bad Mm -hmm. reasons yeah Uh, but yeah very intense scene and at this point son is just like very sad so she gets to talk to riley later um but before we talk about that uh, Some stuff happens. People are working out. They're doing exercise. Don't you love exercise, Magellan? Are you an exercise guy?
1: <laughs> Fuck no. the, w- the way that we slide into this is awesome because it starts with Nomi and Neitz in bed together. And Nomi's like, let's, let's get a little frisky, basically. And then we go to the gym with Will and his friend. And it's like, uh, okay, I guess we're just at the gym and then the gym scene like gets gradually more homoerotic as both there's a sex scene starting to brew in the bed and not just a homoerotic but an explicitly homosexual home workout <laughs> scene is also happening and like it, there's not even like really like <laughs> like rich thematic paralleling going on here. It's just like, hey, Will and his friend are at the gym, and that feels kind of gay. Just like if like gay men were working out. <laughs> it's like a, a simile that is you know what i'm trying to say Yeah, yeah.
0: it's it, t- you're saying two things you're saying it's a simile but they took the li the word like and broke it in half with a hammer and yeah. it's that tweet that's like i know people who use subtlety and they're all cowards <laughs>
1: yeah exactly exactly
0: it's um, not subtle everything's this no, is like it's awesome it, the fandom would normally be like oh my god it's so gay how like will and diego and then diego has the fucking cojones to be like you know, I thought with the last name Gorski, you were gonna be like a big schlubby dude, like a Chicago like fat guy. And you're actually you're you're, you're he says you're keeping it tight as hell, my man. Holy but I gotta slut. say,
1: you keep that shit looking tight,
0: man. Diego's gay. Diego's bi. Let's be real, Diego's bi. Wow. Yeah. And that's awesome. canon. I'm not. I'm not. It's so good to watch a show where I don't have to say like I'm head canon. I'm canonizing it. It's just real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Um. I still don't like cops, but <laughs> the scene, it's, the buildup is so funny because yeah. then it turns like explicitly sexual. And I mean, think about the filming of this, dude. They filmed all of these sex scenes like three or four times with all the different scenes. Right. Because, you know, Neats and, uh, and Nomi are doing stuff and that's like really fun. And uh, Lita, oh, <laughs> t- two moments in this episode where... Uh, I once again was like, did I remember this or did I call it? Number one was Will was going to use his cop training to break the plastic bag. Mm-hmm. And number two, and I have to say this because we're talking about a sex scene. Uh, <laughs> Lito and, and Hernando are like doing stuff. And yeah. I turned to my roommate and I said, this isn't realistic. If this was realistic, Daniela would start masturbating. And then she <laughs> does. She fucking exactly does. And I was like, what the fuck? Get out of my brain, Wachowski. Stop doing that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a lot. I was I was like, are I'll you kidding it's me? Lot. Imagine filming this. Ugh, so funny. And then it turns into. And so, the, like,
1: and again, so intricate. Like, yeah, this has to be so carefully storyboarded and planned because you're bringing everybody to every location to swap them out with the people who are there. Like Leto is spotting Will and kissing him on the forehead so tenderly and then on the lips so tenderly. He's also in bed with Neats. He's also in the pool doing pool stuff. He's also in his own body in his own place. Uh and it all is like freely flowing and cutting and swapping characters out. It's really like wild that this was they were able to pull this off. Um Absolutely. It's really
0: impressive it's a it's a it's a stunt set piece honestly uh-huh. but it uses it for storytelling and that's why i'm so impressed with it like I, I can imagine someone like JMS, who's all about like character over over like lore and stuff being like okay well if you're gonna do this then we have to establish that like will is probably gay or questioning his sexuality because he kissed leto in this scene like all of these things happen everybody here is 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 pansexual transgender everything all at once you can't deny that anymore. It's just happening, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's fucking sick as hell. <laughs> Everyone's doing everything with everyone, and then yeah, filming that must be yeah a monumental. And then just like get naked in front of these people that you've only like worked with occasionally, and yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's really a lot. And then <laughs> the way they pivot is, I was like, man, everyone else who's not here must be having a terrible day. I don't know. I I think I read somewhere that some of the actors were like not comfortable with the nudity, which is why they don't they're not in this, but I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Caffius for sure has a boner while watching Van Damme though because he comes at the end so of this. So funny.
1: What a button. What a great button. Mm-hmm. He's looking at it like uh
0: <laughs> okay. uh am I really <laughs> <laughs> And it's a scene um, of like Van Damme, like shirtless, like drop kicking dudes. You know, like right. I would, I would. Yeah. Um,
1: before we get it to the people who are having a bad day, I think it's just, it's really something that this show is like. The first sensate sex scene is like everybody's fucking. <laughs> like it's not like, you know, Kala and Wolfgang. Are we had doing Needs and Amanita, but like not between... You're saying well, amongst, but the in sense a, bet- t- amongst the Sensates. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's everybody. Yeah. It can't just be two people. That wouldn't make sense. Yeah. And Both. it's not Riley and Will. That would be boring. Yes. <laughs> I need I need them to do all eight. You got to go all the way, guys. I hope... Mm-hmm. If the actors aren't comfortable with it, don't do that, obviously. But like the only place for this to go from here is we get all eight people in a big cuddle puddle. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like that sometimes. Um, so Riley's son and Kathy are just kind of having meh to bad days. Riley and son have like beautiful conversations of solidarity here. They kind of like fully introduce themselves to each other. Um, it's unfortunately couched in a corny moment where uh, Riley's like, you know, I come to this part in the park and it says on the ground, I have conversed with the spiritual son. She turns to her and she's like, what's your name? She's like, son. And it's like, Mm -hmm. shut up, sensei. Come on. Did you name the character after this sign in in England? Like, Mm -hmm. very goofy, but uh, they commiserate about, like, you know, be feeling controlled by people and son says, I really could use a cigarette and Riley says, well, all I have is this um, hash. Son says, what's hash? And she gives her a vape that literally looks like the sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who. It's, like, obscene. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the really did you catch this the really clever thing they do is first of all sun says i can taste it but it's more like a memory which is beautiful but sun exhales and then like literally go back and watch this folks sun exhales the smoke the smoke comes out of riley's mouth whoa yeah it's like really quick it's a sim it's a single cut and i was like damn that's that's fantastic actually uh because she's not smoking it. There's no smoke to be coming out of out of her mouth. That wouldn't make any sense. Wow. Um, so they're, you know, having their little moment. And then Riley tells son about the hidden people of Iceland. And she's like, I was afraid of them. And my mom told me if I stayed in Iceland, this is all Riley plot stuff that I don't particularly care about. And uh, yeah. son tells her she's afraid of prison because it's a scary place, but maybe it's safer than being outside. Uh episode ends with sun seeing her mother in a vision and she says that everybody else is afraid of what you are she says mother what am i and she says you, she says you are the future well, i i don't i think this is just metaphor i think this is like young people are good i guess
1: well but it's uh angelica isn't angelica it's her mom, and then it's Angelica.
0: Oh, I didn't even catch the final shot. It's totally Angelica saying that. Yeah. Angelica's the one who says you're the future. Okay, you're right. Yeah.
1: So some who knows? But something with the the main plot.
0: Ugh. Yeah. It wakes her up in prison at night, and then she goes back to sleep. Scared, nervous, et cetera. I hope Sun's okay. I think she'll be fine. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Any three notes on this one? I gotta say, you keep that shit looking tight, man. Thank you for writing that line down. Good job. <laughs> um, I
1: really liked the moment where Leto is asked what's the secret to being a great lover, and he gives this answer that's about <gasps> like that. the the balance between selflessness and, and selfishness. selfishness. Yeah, um, and that's there's something to that that's worth continuing to track i think about like how like strong whether it's love making or relationships human connection is about this kind of like surrendering to the needs and the personhood of other people but like holding fast to who you are in the process Mm -hmm. and i think we're starting to introduce these questions of like as people's lives blend and their consciousness blends where's the line between like me and you and does there need to be one and what what does it look like um so i just thought that was a great speech and it gave us a little just a little flash of a make-out scene between him and hernando to be like just so you know it's gonna get a little sexy later okay see you soon <laughs>
0: wink that's fun and david do you you think about that though because like if you're having sex with another sensate is it consensual do they know it's happening do they want it to happen right like all of that stuff becomes complicated and the like idea that sex like intercourse is like a moment where you just so you become two people and two people become one that's like a way often that sex is written about in poetry and in music Mm -hmm. um and so, like, how does that work when you're a sensei? How does having sex with each other work? If you already are kind of the same person, it's that orgy scene is also like six people masturbating, right? Like, it's it's mm-hmm. all of that if, if you're really to trace the metaphor all the way to its conclusion. Um, so I thought that stuff, yeah, very much worth keeping up with. And, like, seeing the interviewer, like, get kind of turned on. Being like, oh my, god. I'm like just this one has like kind of low standards. She's just like, oh my god, a really hot guy is saying like nice, empathetic things about sex. I'm like, <laughs> fucking so horned up right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, good for you. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you have anything else? Uh, no, that was it for me. I love the wrestling scene. I wanted to see more of that. Um, and that's, and yeah, the sex scene is is top tier. Not the best one of the show, but top tier for sure. Uh, yeah. with that, do you want me to tell you what we're watching next week on Chats 8? Uh yeah. Next week on Chats 8, we are watching episode seven of season one, WWN Double D. Nomi makes a shocking discovery about her former doctor. Fucking knew it. While Will gets closer to the truth behind his visions and Kala's doubts grow stronger. And he guesses what WWN Double D means? It's not as it's not as funny, it's not as uh like clever as you think. It's kind of goofy.
1: What would something NDD. something do okay who's Andy, um, ND... is it a person or a phrase
0: it's a person nah. i gotta think about it okay we'll come back to it next week
1: ted nugent
0: bing bong Next episode, season one, episode eight. We will all be judged by the courage of our hearts. Sounds like a socal Calibur announcer. (laughs) In this episode, Sun fights to adjust to her new life as Kathy is trying to change his. Will and Nomi dig up disturbing information that could change everything? Holy shit. Damn. 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 That's what we got, John. Where can people find you on the podcast sphere?
1: They can listen to me on another podcast called Super Smash Echoes. It's a video game book club with my friend Justin, where we play games related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise. Super Smash
0: Echoes.
1: Alan, what about you?
0: My main other gig right now is Oops More Anime, which is found on skinlinemedia.com. Over there every week, my friend Six Detmar and I are watching Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, and talking about it one episode a week as they come out. So if you're up to date with that series or you're interested in anime, it's a pretty good jumping, or Gundam. Uh, It's a pretty good jumping on point. It's a fun show. It's easily accessible. And we have a good short little conversation about it once a week. So um, that's Oops More Anime. That's my main gig at the moment uh i can do the plugs on this time if you don't mind pal cool sounds good if you'd like to email us questions comments or concerns about sense eight other chat shows or recommendations or anything our email address is chatspod at gmail.com that's c h -H a we're at chatspod on twitter uh we are our chatspod on reddit and uh i always say this and i really mean it sincerely please rate us on your podcast platform of choice apple podcasts spotify etc it really helps us out. It really helps people find out about your favorite TV watch podcast out there. We hope, um, if you'd like to support us financially, we'd really, really appreciate that. That can be done over at patreoncom slash chats pod, uh, where we have tiers at one, three and $5 a month for, for, uh, patrons to support us, uh, on a monthly basis and also get all sorts of exciting bonus content like pilot chats, where we watch TV show pilots and determine if they're good chat shows, uh chats nights where we just hang out and talk to each other and our friends, and uh commentary chats where we talk over movies. Um if you back us at $5 a month or more, you get thanked at the end of every main feed episode. And as of today, our five dollar patrons include Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, Magellan's mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Six, and Stefan. Thank you all for supporting chats. We really appreciate you. All things chats can be found at chatspod.com. And if you like our main feed podcast art, that was done by our friend Camilla, who can be found at CamillaStrater on all of the social media platforms if you're interested in her work. And with that, Magellan, I bring us to our final segment of the show. Every week we do a recommendation called Chatsums, where everybody on the podcast recommends something, some things, media-wise, life-wise, for the listener to enjoy and think about between now and next week. So Magellan, what is or are your Chatsum or Chatsums for this week, please? Uh, Yeah, I got
1: a Chatsum. I got a Chatsum. I got two Chatsums. Uh, The first, actually, I don't know if I've Chatsumed this before, but I uh, was part of hosting a Halloween party at my girlfriend's apartment uh, for Halloween which when you're hearing this was a few weeks ago and um, I got all these like spooky board games or a couple and then I brought some other board games that I always have around and the thing that saw the most play is a game that it's just good. Um, it's not spooky at all it's bananagrams so I have to I have to pay my respect to bananagrams because you know people were vibing with it and love at times. Uh, and then, my other chatsum is I set up the projector to project on the ceiling, uh, mm. and I needed some like horror uh I was like, oh, give me some like horror film montage stuff, and so I found this YouTube channel that had several um like hours long montages of horror films from different Ooh. decades. So if you want to host a party of your own where you have, like, background footage of movie montages, I don't know anything about the rest of the content of this channel. There's a lot of stuff on it. I'm not recommending the channel, but I'm telling you that uh, YouTube user Firkenstein, F-I-R-K-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, has uh, several very long movie montages. Uh, there's a two hour classic black and white montage, five hours of 80s horror movies montage, five hours of 90s, four hours of 70s. Like, come on.
0: This the is morning. so good Wait, with no sound, too. So, no copyright with no, issues. Yeah, with no audio. Yeah. Oh my God. This is like designed for what you were talking about. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's like it says in the title, like Halloween party. <laughs> so, uh, pretty, pretty useful. Uh, for setting the tone and ha- having a little conversation piece um, when people wanted to be like, "Whoa, what's up on the ceiling?" Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those are my chat sums. What about
0: you? I have two quickies. Um, I want to chat some the new Taylor Swift album, *Midnights*. Um, I went on a tweet storm the night that this came out uh, because you know I talk a lot about on chats and on like our Patreon especially like media that is coded for written for and by women and how when I was younger and Majel and I both feel this. a lot of I think people who are like raised male feel this but like this was media that was not for us we couldn't get into Taylor Swift because she was for girls and uh, I was really surprised by Midnight's I found it really um, enjoyable and relatable interesting funny whatever adjectives you want um, it's an album about how you the things that you worry about at midnight, you know, and in the case of Taylor Swift, that's like the rise and fall of your romance being the good girl persona, the, ch- the chafing of societal expectations the you know, accepting your fallibility and your hum- humanity and all of that stuff. Um, it's a really great album. I love the song Antihero. It's the like standout single from the album. So, of course, it's the one that's like getting the most talk. Um, I also like Snow on the Beach, which is the song with Lana Del Rey. And uh, I think uh, Vigilante Shit is the other one that I have had a good time re-listening to. I even listened to the 3 a.m. cut the next day. That's how down the hole I went. And now like this album comes on. I put it on when I journal before bed pretty consistently. I turn the lights low and I just listen to midnight. So I guess I've become a Swifty at 28 years old. Uh, that's That's on me. Um, And then my other chat sum, if you're not a music person, is the new film Barbarian, uh, which is written and directed by Zach Kreger. Yes, Zach Kreger from uh, Whitest Kids You Know. Uh, He made a horror film that just came out in wide release, and it's now on HBO Max. Uh, It's, you know, the kind of horror film that you probably don't want to read too much about, but the overall premise starts with uh what if a woman by herself went to an airbnb and it turns out another guy was there by himself and they accidentally booked the same house for the same night and uh doesn't that seem kind of weird and fucked up but they stayed the night together and some things happened from there uh it's really smart it's really gross and weird in some ways and i'm going to be thinking about imagery from it for a while and it goes a lot of places you don't expect so if you're interested in Barbarian, check it out and don't don't read up on it too much because you'll get a lot out of just being in there with the character, uh, the main character. And that's what we got, folks. So, you know, thank you for being here with us. Thank you to Magellan for being the... Hmm, 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 hmm. Something about the orgy, huh? No, thank you for being the Diego to my will, you know, just appreciating my type bot, honestly. Uh, <laughs> and thank you... So much, dear listeners, for listening to this episode of Chats 8. Peace.